Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. Chris Hauseltz, our executive producer. He is live from the South Carolina Bureau. The amazing Thea Harper joins us running this thing from the Brooklyn Bureau. And for the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with music and comedy and history and facts and empathy, bringing good trouble to the right wing bubble. And we'd love to hear from you at 866-997-GRIT. I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're having a good, as good a day as Herschel Walker is having, not pretending he has to care about this stuff anymore. There's so much we have to get to on tonight's show, and we're so glad to be joined by two of our favorite regulars. Keith Price will be here in hour number three. The great Bob Seska joins us later on, and we're going to take your calls all night on the Supreme Court, obviously on the Georgia runoff. We're going to get to a lot of your calls on that very, very soon, uh, as well as for the fact that we're seeing the Republican establishment really turn on Donald Trump more than we've ever seen, but only because yet another one of his candidates was a loser. Uh, Pretty amazing to think that no political party has successfully defended, no, no in power incumbent political party has successfully defended all of their incumbent Senate seats since 1934. Joe Biden, man, 80 years old and with a stutter. He's getting it done. His party took on prescription drugs, the biggest climate change bill ever, the biggest infrastructure bill ever, decriminalizing weed on the federal level, fighting, and I mean fighting for student loan debt forgiveness and letting the entire country have two long years to see who's fighting for that and who's fighting against it. My God, bring on the ageism. Great. Let's let's run. If, if, if this guy, 80 years old, gets this much done, this man is working like a like a lesbian Scientologist. He gets so much done in a day. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's let's can we have a hundred year old president? My God, the 80 year old Jesus today also marks 81 years since the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, tomorrow marks 81 years since the last time the United States declared war legally. Let's get to it. We're going to be taking your calls all night long and let's do a show. Where's my prop bell? There we go. We've moved our studio here in the Love Fest. We've we've gone from the, the, the top floor down to the disco basement. Glad to have you with us. So, um, you know what's getting me down today? When, when, when Christians or people who claim to be Christian in our country turn out to just be awful people who were using the appearance of faith to hide that they're just awful people. You, you know what I'm talking about. Fundamentalists among us pretending to be religious, all the while hiding the fact that, oh, no, you're not actually religious. You're just a, a shitty person. Uh, using faith as a cynical cloaking device, as camouflage. Well, here we are in the camouflage removal business. Let's do a little bit of that today, because I don't know what happened. I did not begin this week thinking we were going to see the Christians mounting. I'm sorry, the revoltingly false Christians of the American right wing. And again, atheists, 
come with me on this. You, this, this, this involves you too. Um, people who were raised religious and now consider themselves spiritual, come with me on this. This involves you as well. I didn't realize this week was going to be such an effort by classic homophobe to try to distort the teachings of the Bible to get their own way to be mean to people. But the Supreme Court heard arguments on Monday in this big First Amendment battle that's pitting these claims of religious freedom against quaint little laws prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. It is so nice to be alive at a time when I can talk about a gay rights story and the U.S. government is the hero in it. You know by now, we've been talking about it, this web designer in Colorado, Lori Smith. She doesn't actually have a website up yet. She's not really a web designer. She's an aspiring web designer. She said she was happy to create graphics and websites for anybody, even these gay people. But, ooh, you know what? Her Christian faith is so strong. Her love of Jesus so deep that she's not allowed. She's not allowed to create messages that celebrate same-sex marriage. Now, there's a state law in Colorado forbidding this kind of discrimination. So once again, we are seeing people who claim to be Christian trying to use religion to not follow laws. Rastafarians, I've been telling you, you need to lead on this issue for years. So this ruling could have enormous consequences, and the Supreme Court may go her way. Now, again, she, she's a complete fraud. She was picked up by a group to try to do this. It's all the Federalist Society trying to advance their legislation to a bunch of Supreme Court justices who were picked by the Federalist Society. No one has been forced to do anything here. She hasn't been wronged at all. She just says, maybe someday I'd be asked to do this to make a, a graphic design for a gay wedding, and I wouldn't be able to do it. It would go against my faith. The right wing couldn't even wait for a real case to happen. They had to do this with maybe someday cases. Now, her supporters say a ruling for the state would allow the government to force all kinds of artists to say things at odds with their beliefs. Of course, a ruling in her favor would allow so many businesses to refuse service to, oh, I don't know, uh, Muslims, uh, African-Americans, women, based on deeply held, completely bullshit religious convictions. I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve my work to LGBT people because of Jesus. Well, how is that any different from 60 years ago saying, I don't want to serve black people at a lunch counter because of Jesus? They believed it, not because of Jesus, but the children of Ham, <laughs> Noah's son that was used for centuries to argue that black people were inferior and slavery was a punishment from God. People really believed it. Why? Because they weren't black people and it was really convenient. And a lot of folks who aren't gay, maybe a couple who are, really want to pretend the Bible is as anti-gay as they are. And they need to pretend the man their religion is named after shares their hangups, but he doesn't. You're allowed to be a homophobe in this society. That's the great thing about freedom. You can be as bigoted as you want to be. You have the right. You also, of course, uh, should expect consequences for your free speech, but that's another matter. These justices are hearing this website designer who doesn't have a website, who's arguing she shouldn't have to make any websites for same-sex marriages, which no one has asked her to make because it violates free speech. She's got FaceTime with the Supreme Court this week. So... I'm still reeling from this reality when suddenly I wake up today and I see um, noted thespian, my generation's Daniel Day-Lewis, Kirk Cameron, trending all day long. You remember Kirk Cameron from, um, uh, what show was he on, Chris? I didn't, I didn't watch that. Was he, was he, he wasn't the Hogan family. That was Sandy Duncan. I confused uh, the two. Family Pains, Growing Strokes. Family Pains, The Growing Strokes. Kirk Cameron from The Growing, The Growing, The Stroke Growers. The Growing Strokes, The Family Strokes. 
He was on that show. He was in the one with Alan Thick, right? He was on the show with Alan Thick and Leonardo DiCaprio and Andrew Koenig, who died tragically a few years ago, who was a friend of mine, who was a decent, progressive guy. Kirk Cameron, uh, you know the story. The work dried up, and so he took the Sorbo pill, and now he's just far right-wing uh, Christian guy. And I'm sure he's very nice. I've been on flights with him. He seemed like a pleasant guy. But now he's gone to the media today. I woke up to his name trending because he's playing victim because he says he's repeatedly been denied the chance to share his new Christian children's book at many community libraries in the country because these publicly funded institutions have rejected his children's book because um, he has a long history of arguing against being gay. Now, it's very common for community libraries to have story hour programs for kids and parents that correspond with the release of a new book. Kirk Cameron's book is called As You Grow, and it says it teaches biblical wisdom and the value of producing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Well, that's lovely. I'd love to get my child a, a children's book just like that. But maybe, just maybe, not one written by this guy. And maybe libraries are right to not let their taxpayer-funded reading rooms help promote work by this guy. Here's a clip of Kirk Cameron from Piers Morgan's CNN show. Give a little listen to how deep his faith is. And, and I warn you, I'm warning you all, if you have children at home, this is a clip where Piers Morgan comes off as the sane one. I would tell my children as, as I, I tell them what I believe myself and uh, dealing with these social issues, whether it's uh, abortion what or do, gay what marriage. Do you, what do you believe? I believe that marriage was defined uh, by God a long time ago. Marriage is almost as old as dirt, and it was defined in the garden between Adam and Eve, one man, one woman, for life, uh, till death do you part. So I would never attempt to try to redefine marriage, and I don't think anyone else should either. So do I support uh, the idea of gay marriage? No, I don't. Do you think homosexuality is a sin? I think that it's, uh, it's, 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 it's unnatural. I think that it's, it's, it's detrimental and uh, ultimately destructive to so many uh, of the foundations of civilization. So what do you do if one of your six kids says, Dad, bad news, I'm gay? I'd sit down and I'd have a heart-to-heart -heart with them, just like you would with your kids. I, I'd yeah, talk if, to I said, about... no, if one of my sons said that, I'd say, that's great, son. As long as you're happy, what would you say? Well, I wouldn't say that's great, son, as long as you're happy. I'm going to say... Kirk wasn't uh, ready for this question. You know, there's, there's all sorts of issues that we need to wrestle through in our life, and just because you feel one way doesn't mean we should act on everything that we feel. But it's and yet, not only some on... people would say that telling kids that being gay is a sin or getting married is a sin or whatever, that in itself is incredibly destructive and damaging in a country where seven states now have legalized it. Yes, but, but you have to also understand that, that you are, yourself are using a standard of morality to say that telling people such and such a, of, a, of a behavior is sinful. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you, you're using a standard of morality to make that statement and say that that is terribly destructive. So mm -hmm. everyone is going to have a standard against no, no, which no, no, they... No, no, listen, listen, I'm not an American. I'm making the point that seven states in America have now legalized gay marriage. Okay, you get the idea, right? So, well, Kirk, you know, this goes over really well in the bubble. You know, talking about traditional marriage, the homophobia, pretending Jesus shares your hangups. Unnatural. It's unnatural. Let me tell you something, Kirk Cameron, because I'm sure you listen. Uh, they have documented same-sex relations in over 1,500 species. They have documented hangups about same-sex relations 
in exactly one species. I always want to imagine Kirk Cameron at SeaWorld running up to the tank and screaming at the happy gay dolphins, You're not being natural! You're not being natural! What a putz. So, look, now he's working with this conservative children book publisher, Brave Books. They produce, you ready for this? Pro-God, pro-America, and anti-woke values. Ask your conservative loved ones what woke means. Let's try to find what the definition of it is. Generally, anti-woke means, you know, Colin Kaepernick's knee bothers you a bit more than Derek Chauvin's. So Brave Books told Fox they had been denied a story hour slot at several libraries. In Providence, Rhode Island, the Rochambeau Public Library told the publisher on the phone, we will pass on having you run a program in our space. We are a very queer, friendly library. Our messaging does not align. Now, look, Kirk Cameron, he, he's a married father of six children, and four of his kids are adopted, and that's wonderful, and I will praise him for that all day long. And uh, that's about it. He's recently spoken about parts of the left-wing establishment that's trying to indoctrinate children as early as possible with progressive ideology. You see, this is how the right-wing mind works. If you teach children that being gay is natural and nothing to be ashamed of, you're indoctrinating them, you're grooming them, you're brainwashing them. But if you're teaching children that being gay is a sin and something to be deeply, deeply ashamed of, well, that's just love. <laughs> a few months back, Kirk spoke out against the U.S. public school systems. He said it was taken over by radical progressives who want to teach critical race theory and gender ideology to young children. So he's, he's, he's what the Bible calls a fucking liar. You know, he said, it's sad to say they're doing more for grooming, for sexual chaos and the progressive left than any real educating about the things. Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, again, I know. Fuck this guy. Fuck his horrible acting. And fuck anyone with that 80s perm calling any kind of sex unnatural. God damn it. And on a personal level, when I was a teenager, I took a girl to see that father and son switching bodies movie that Kirk Cameron did with Dudley Moore. Fuck you for that, too, Kirk Cameron. Let's get back to Jesus. Earlier in the day, I posted on, uh, on, on the Twitter, which, by the way, is still existing. Um, my, my, my follower count went up today for the first time. I lost 21,000 followers. And today, suddenly, Elon allowed me to get a couple. I posted earlier this morning when I heard this story. I picked up my jaw off the table and I just tweeted, this would be a good time to remind Kirk Cameron that being gay is natural. Hating gay is a lifestyle choice. Guys, dozens and dozens and dozens of replies. I mean... Uh, Michael Teams Jr. says, according to the Bible, homosexuality is unnatural. It's perversion of God's design for sexuality. Well, except God saw fit to create gay people in every single culture that's ever kept records. Um, Edward Carlson III said, I guess you've never opened a Bible, John. Get your facts straight before you tweet. No, I'm, I'm pretty good on my facts. Um, someone named Spoken Truth Rev wrote, what about drag queens? Your post offends pedos. The overwhelming majority of pedophiles folks in every country that has ever kept records the overwhelming majority of pedophiles are heterosexual identified men folks find another mean bullshit excuse for your hang-ups can you please kirk cameron is a homophobe who tries to justify it because he follows jesus who is not a homophobe right i mean that's it his lifestyle choice is really a money grab he's using this hate to get paid to support his lifestyle because hate pays better than love. You guys know this. Uh, Michael J. Partika, God bless, just wrote to me, uh, wrote mocking me. This would be a good time to remind Christians that the inclination to sin is natural, but rejecting sin is still your job. I think it's a good time to remind Christians that any guy who says same-sex attraction is a choice that must be resisted probably has some experience resisting it. So, I, again, this happened all day, my whole day. I'm like, let me check Twitter and see what the revoltingly fake Christians who love Donald Trump 
you you can't follow Jesus and Trump, folks. It's like the theme of this show. You you voted for a guy who promised to bring back torture and turn away war refugees. You haven't read the Bible. I know atheists who are better Christians than these folks. All day long, all day, and and they always cite the same the same exact passages, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, Le, Leviticus, calling same sex relationships an abomination. Um, three letters of Paul, Corinthians and Timothy and Romans. And by the way, Romans, Timothy, and Corinthians sounds like a hell of a gay leather bar in Italy. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's it. That's it. Nothing in the words of Jesus about being gay. Nothing. But that doesn't stop the right wing bigots. So what are their arguments? Where do they come from? Well, okay, there's there's uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, God destroyed the city because those men were having sex with men. But when you read the story, they weren't. Lot and his wife and daughters come and they hide out in a house. And these two messengers of the Lord, they're angels, but they're called messengers, show up and they say to Lot, hey, man, this is a wicked city. Shit's about to jump off. Y'all want to get out of here. I paraphrase from the Hebrew. A crowd of men gather outside and say to Lot, who are those two guys in there? Throw them out here that we may know them. And if you've seen the show Oz, you know what they're talking about. Uh, so Lot, the hero, offers the men to gang rape his two virgin daughters. What a guy. They don't want that. They want the two messengers. The angels come out. They blind the mob with some Hogwarts shit. Lot and his family run away. God rains fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife turns to see the devastation. And for this, she is turned into a pillar of salt. Lot and his two daughters escape. And they go on to get their father drunk and have sex with him and get pregnant by him. And they later give birth to their sibling babies. Yes, that's Sodom and Gomorrah. Write a whole book about how Anderson Cooper is a bad person. I, I, I don't I, I don't understand. So um, then uh, what else? OK, Leviticus. That's where it says you shall not lie with a man as with a woman. That's that's an abomination. Well, we know that. Right. But but you see, the vast majority of laws in Leviticus are ignored by the faithful. But the one verse condemning men who have sex with men is clung to. And it's bullshit. Leviticus says mankind itself is an abomination. Leviticus says that you have to stone children to death. I mean, if they insult their parents, you have to stone anybody to death if they work on a Saturday. That's the Sabbath. No one follows this. If you follow laws Leviticus, you got to kill children who are gluttons or drunks. You got to kill anybody who works on the Sabbath. Bye bye NASCAR. You got to kill anybody who commits adultery. <laughs> and I'll let you guys work that out with Donald Trump. Uh, then you get to the New Testament. And there's St. Paul uh, saying a few things, but he's never talking about gay people. He's always talking about temple prostitutes, except in Romans, where he said they turned away from God. So God gave the men over to unnatural passions, vile affections, men hooked up with each other to spite God. So really, they're not gay. They're straight guys hooking up with each other because God made them. In the fetish community, this is called forced by or so I've heard. I mean, I don't know been a long time but he said they gave up their natural use of the woman to burn in lust for each other so they're clearly not gay guys they're straight guys hooking up with other bros i remember craigslist that was very common and then in in timothy and corinthians it was all these greek words malakoi which meant roman temple prostitutes but in 1946 in 1946 in the english translation of bibles they included the word homosexuals so you know, yeah, they all say God made Adam and Eve, but not Adam and Steve. But the fact is God made Adam and Steve, too. And Adam and Steve can adopt some of them. Their accidents Adam and Eve don't want. And you can't hate lesbians either. Nothing in the Bible about women with women. Nothing about opposing women with women, which means God has the same policy as vivid video. So there it is, folks. <laughs> Gay people can't change, but bigots can.
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast My producer wanted me to remind you that uh, in the week ending November 26, more than 34,000 positive flu tests were reported to the CDC from labs around the US. That's just the tests that were reported. That's more positive flu tests than have been reported in any single week during any flu season on record going back 25 years. It's way beyond the past six flu seasons. It's almost like no one got sick for a couple of years and our immunity went down and then we all went out again and now we're all getting the flu. Please, folks, please be careful. I'm sure you know and wherever you are, you can hear local news talking about the RSV virus and the flu being even worse than COVID and COVID's getting worse too. Go ahead and wear a mask. Your empathy will piss off the right people. I am so pleased to welcome the great Bob Seska back to our show. He is the host of uh, one of the best podcasts you can listen to for politics and music. I became a fan of Bob from the Stephanie Miller Show and his great columns at Salon.com. We are always thrilled to welcome back the one and only Mr. Bob Seska. How are you, sir? I'm in a great mood, John. Uh, and why would I not be? I think Because of my had... new background, right? Because I'm doing the show in a new place in my house. <laughs> and you right, right away didn't because rec- you didn't recognize where I was. And I know everyone's talking about it. That talks to me. I'm also. I'm thrilled about your organization. <laughs> uh, those Quite, shelves you. behind yes. you. Perfect. I yes, you know what? I thought here's a radical concept for Zoom. I'm going to have bookshelves behind me. I'm going to try that and see how it works. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm ready for my <laughs> CNN contract right now. No, tell me what's what what are you in a good mood about today, Mr. Seska? Well, I mean, for God's sake, Trump keeps losing. Uh, Whenever Trump loses, I'm in a great mood because there's if there's one thing Donald Trump hates, it's losing. So in the context, say, for example, of one of the many things he's lost recently, uh, the guilty verdicts yesterday in New York City over the Trump organization's monkeying and tax fraud and conspiracy and all the rest, 17 different counts. Mm -hmm. The thing that he hates most about that is not the potential for fines or further criminal charges or what may come of whatever appeals he's going to file. The thing that he's not saying on Troth Central or whatever his (laughs) social media app is called, Mm -hmm. the thing that he's not saying is, God damn, I lost again oh, because no. he'll never he'll never admit that. But he lost again. He lost mm-hmm. in that courtroom. He lost in front of juries. He lost in front of the world. And that is the thing that is making him lose sleep. That's why he's up until three o'clock in the morning, firing off these all caps shriek oh, yeah. fests Beautiful. <laughs> in the middle of the night. 
as Lawrence O'Donnell called it, his sleep struggle continues. I love this <laughs> so much. And that is right before he loses yet another election where he may not have been on the ballot, literally, oh, but, but in he was. spirit, he was yeah. absolutely on that ballot yesterday. So well, in the eyes of the Republican big, establishment, yeah. he was, he sure was in the eyes of the GOP establishment. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. all over that ballot because he was the one who handpicked head injury Herschel to go ahead and be the standard bearer because again he's black and he's famous so of course those simple mm-hmm. folk in georgia will gravitate to him right away Absolutely. Donald, trump, donald trump thinks everyone is as simple as donald trump yes and what the republican party would do well to uh wrap their heads around right now is jettisoning donald trump into space if they can if there's one of those little but like those little secret buttons that they can launch mm-hmm. him off his desk chair into space i think they, they would do very very well but if why? that happened right but, now i mean, I mean are, you, are you saying that you would like to see them do that or are you saying if they were smart they should do that um both. because i don't uh, want him to go away I, I i want him on that wall i need him on that wall it, it we're, yeah. we're finally we've waited seven years to be able to use this hump against the republican party and right now he is wrecking the place wrecking the place worse than bush and cheney wrecked the place and i'm sorry yeah. I want people to stop and smell the train wreck. I, I, I don't want to get rid of Trump until he has completely kneecapped Ron DeSantis and he can do it. That's a really good point. So c- conceded. I will concede I'm play, that I'm playing point. with fire here. I play with fire. I'm feeling I'm good, sorry. John. I, I am so sure he will never be elected president again. I'm willing to bet Chris Houseelt's life on it, that he will not be president. And that's why I'm not. I'm. I, that's how convinced I am he can't. After January 6th. I yeah. know we've been wrong before, but I I'm, I will bet Chris Houseelt's health and well-being on this issue. I'm sure he's thrilled to learn that. Um, you know what? I didn't think I didn't even think I didn't even think he was going to run. I didn't think Donald Trump was even going to announce. He's not. So that's a, that's he's how way not. ahead of this I was. Yeah. I mean, how Sparks but, and I've been having this fight, and I think we're both right. He's he's not really running. No, he's not. And in fact, Hal says that Trump will probably drop out in the spring. I mean, he's got to be feeling it at this point. He's got to be feeling as if, you know what, a few more of these losses, I can't take that. He can't take losing twice yesterday. You imagine any further things that will emboss his legacy as a gigantic loser. And I mean, gigantic in the most literal sense. I can imagine a lot of things. I can imagine Jack Smith subpoenaing election officials in Arizona, Mm -hmm. Michigan and Wisconsin. I can imagine a lot of things to tarnish his his record even more. What what, is the big question, Bob? What happens to the Trump found uh, the, the Trump organization now? Well, I mean, this is the this is something else that he inherited Mm-hmm. And and squandered, much like Obama's yeah. recovery. I mean, w- oh, yeah. what happens to you know his dad's company now? I think it, it's. I mean, that's the real humiliation. How can it go on? Yeah, not just his dad's company, but his legacy for his children, Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, the whole gang of Trumps. They're all kind of screwed too, because Trump organization is very likely to disappear. I mean, this could be oh, yeah. fatal for the Trump organization. They're already talking about, I think, something like one point six million dollars in fines uh, out of this one case. I'm not sure that's right. where that's going to go. But Donald Trump spends that on French fries in a month. <laughs> exactly. Well, this doesn't even take into consideration uh, the Letitia James investigation, which mm-hmm. is separate, and that between these two things. I don't understand how Donald Trump could continue to run the Trump organization under the umbrella of 
guilty of tax fraud, guilty of conspiracy. <laughs> How does the Internal Revenue Service feel about this? You know, of all the entities that we talk about in the United States government, in the deep state, John, the yes. IRS, the IRS is the one that you absolutely don't want to screw around with. The IRS will fuck you nine different ways if they mm. want to. And you just knowing- reminded me that, of course, the Democratic Congress now has his tax records, too. Let's not forget that. <laughs> yes. Hasn't leaked yet, so but the good. week is young. Yeah. So I don't think the Trump organization is going to make it through 2023. I think I think next year at some point it will be dissolved. Of course, he's going to start up another one that's just like a Trump organization. You know what he did? He actually tried he to did. start Trump organization, too. And he called it Trump organization, too. Two. And then he electric sets in <laughs> Trump organization, too. Yeah, let's hide it over here and call it the exact same thing. But they'll never guess because, you know, we'll add a two at the end. Oh, wow. This didn't come up in my Nexus search. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of wonderful to see it happen. But what's really interesting now is we're seeing more and more prominent GOP voices squarely blaming Donald Trump Mm -hmm. for Herschel's loss. And they're pointing out rather correctly that listening to this guy has now cost them the last three elections. I mean, we were saying at the top of the show, Joe Biden is really, really doing incredibly well for the first two years of any presidency. And we have not seen an incumbent party in power hold on to all their Senate seats since 1934. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just Donald Trump's candidates that uh, led to this catastrophic loss in this midterm, which the Republican policies away with. It's yeah, it's his policies. It's Trumpism. There's that element too. obviously independent voters, swing voters are pulling away from this ridiculousness that they see every day with their friends and their family members. But on top of that, it's his political advice. Now, you say, well, Donald Trump made it to the presidency. He's got to be good at politics. Well, no. The Republican Party is good at politics. The, Donald Trump himself is good at marketing, but Donald Trump sucks at politics. Donald Trump told all of his fanboys not to vote early, not to vote by mail-in val- That's ballot. Right. That's to right. Flood the polling places on election day yeah. where they have a finite amount of time in which to Testify. cast their ballots. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was kneecapping them right from the start. That's yes. terrible politics yes. plus we all know for in georgia yesterday as one of their many voter suppression laws th- one of the laws was they decided to close the polls at 7 p.m so all right. those trump supporting voters in georgia who decide you know what we're going to do what you know our uh our messiah says and we're going to vote on election day but little did they know that the polls would close at 7 p.m., giving them a window between the end of work and the polls closing of about three seconds. Beautiful. So so that's one of the many things. I think Charlie Kirk was on his show today. Oh, he, I missed you know, it. What did he say? Oh, he oh, Charlie Kirk. It's well, first of all, I, there were no complete sentences. I just want to throw that in. But there never are. Uh, right. But what he was doing was he was reading emails from. Trump fanboy after Trump fanboy saying, you know what? I didn't vote because the election is rigged anyway. So why bother if the elections are so unfair and they're stacked against us? So Donald Trump has not only screwed Mm. in terms of the early voting and mail-in voting thing, but he also screwed people as far as perpetuating this ridiculous rigged vote, which is entire 1,000% about Donald Trump not being able to accept losing 
and yes. needed to make up a bunch of excuses, which led to big lie laws and so it's beautiful. On. So beautiful. Oh, it's, yes, it's, it's Bob. It's like porn for the angels and God's bringing lube. You know, <laughs> it's. <laughs> And by the way, Ivanka is not going to go broke. She'll be fine. They have Saudi blood money to live off of. But you just filled me with this tantalizing idea of imagining Eric and Don Jr. having to call up their sister to, you know, take out a loan. (laughs) Um, We are at 866-997-4748 with Bob Seska. You know, I was a bit surprised that even John Thune today came out and essentially cut Trump loose and said, you know, we're we're losing because of this guy and because this guy is still litigating the 2020 election. The GOP has moved on from it. Donald Trump's micropenis, it seems, will destroy the entire Republican Party. His micropenis that keeps him from being man enough to just say, yeah, I lost by 7 million votes. That micropenis and the insecurity attached to it is tearing down the party that Mitch McConnell made a pact with Satan to build up. And so I'm just here for it, man. And Georgia, I think, is a a, a beautiful coda to it. And on top of it, then, we see Andy Biggs, Mr. Seska, pretty much openly declaring insurrection against uh, Kevin McCarthy. I I mean, when the Democrats (laughs) unanimously elect Hakeem Jeffries on day one and the Republicans get the House and they're having open civil war over who their leader should be. It's going to be an interesting two years. Yeah, this is really going to be delicate surgery for the Republican Party to cut loose this monster they've created, this cancer that has not only infected all of the United States and many other nations as well. Because, I mean, remember, the seeds of this kind of authoritarianism uh, have been fomented by Russia and so on with disinformation. And we've seen it in other nations as well. So uh, not only is that a problem in and of itself, but then that cancer has metastasized into the Republican Party. So good luck, Republican surgeons cutting out all of this necrotic tissue out of this party because they're not going to be able to do that. They're not going to be able to do it easily. What's going to happen is the the further political leadership on the Republican side begins to distance themselves from Trump, the more they're going to piss off the fanboys and the fanboys. You know, quite honestly, I think Mitch McConnell is refusing to go as far as to condemn Donald Trump by name, because I think Mitch McConnell, to an extent, is concerned about being assassinated. I mean, just no. be completely frank about this. Yeah, I think there I think there are a lot of leaders on the Hill in Congress, Republican leaders who are concerned that if they reject Donald Trump, that those Trump militias, Proud Boys, Patriot Front, Oath Keepers, et cetera, they're going to deploy people to, uh, you know, engage in these acts of violence, things that we are starting to see more and more of, especially recently. And I'm afraid and I think they're afraid that they're going to be targets of that. You know, and that's that's a fanboy thing. That's a Trumpism thing. And that's going to be almost impossible. They can say, oh, you know what, we're not going to deal with Donald Trump anymore, but they're going to have a hell of a time getting rid of all the crazy people that Donald that's Trump right. has militarized. That's right. Uh, yeah. Activated. And so good luck to them. I don't think they can do it. It's beautiful. It's just, I'm sorry, it just feels like karmic retribution to have all of this evil that made nice people so crazy for so long to think of all the folks who didn't survive COVID because of this man's lies and to see the boomerang come not just against Trump and not just against his operation and his flunkies and henchmen, but to see it come against the entire party that supported him for all those Mm -hmm. years. I'm sorry. It's beautiful. And speaking of beauty, though, I do have to bring up Elon Musk. Do you have any thoughts? On uh, our friend Matt Taibbi's yeah. Twitter files uh, thread, Bob, it's been a rather interesting. Ex- it's been a rather interesting week in yeah. petulant yeah. millionaires at birth. 
<laughs> yes. The author of Griftopia is now in league with the richest man in the world. That's the first big irony. The second thing is um, it's a fast read. Uh, Matt Taibbi's first thread yes. of the tr- Twitter files where you know, Elon Musk and I guess Taibbi went in, curated their own emails. It didn't. No, no, it wasn't. Taibbi. Ta- it wasn't. It wasn't Taibbi. It's worse than that. Elon Musk gave him some emails. OK, there it is. Craft yeah. it. As Julia Jeske pointed out, our friend from Decoding Fox News, it's the opposite of journalism. It was PR mm-hmm. when you're working for a corporation that gives you materials and tells you to report yes. on it. And I love Taibbi. But yeah, here, I'm sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Yeah, well, these documents are absolutely ludicrous. There are a lot of what I call sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge things. Oh, look, they're emails. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what that means? You know, they're doing this today with the former, I think, uh, a, a counsel for Twitter where it's it's a long story, but suffice to say, it's like, oh, this guy looked at some documents right before he left the company. I wonder what that was all about. Dun, 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 you know. And that's kind of what this is. It's like, okay, well, here's an internal email where Twitter employees, people involved with uh, safety in the terms of service are looking at a series of emails that had to do with Hunter Biden. So do we eliminate these six or seven emails or uh, tweets? Do we get rid of these tweets? And I went in and I looked at what the tweets actually are. I, I typed them yeah. into the Wayback Machine at archive.org to find out what these tweets actually were because they're not. It's just a screen grab of this Twitter internal email. So I took these tweets and put them into the Wayback Machine. They're all Hunter Biden dick pics. Every oh, single one of them. I saw you yeah, posted about this. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, and it's not. And this was this was the Joe Biden campaign saying, hey, please, this is revenge porn. The the adults in these photos did not give their consent to these photos being on your Twitter site. Could you please take them down? That is, I believe, the extent of the scandal. Yeah. Not only is it a violation of terms of service to post illicitly attained dick pics or dick pics of any form, but it's also uh, illegal in 49 states to engage in this sort of thing. That's right. So Twitter was absolutely in the right to take down these Hunter Biden dick pics. Plus, it wasn't just Hunter Biden. There was some other woman in these in some of these pictures, and they were full like crotch shots, like yeah. genitalia, yeah. all all the rest of it. And the so kind of stuff it wasn't Ted just- Cruz would want it. The title stuff Ted Cruz would post links to. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so it wasn't just Hunter Biden as the victim of all of this, but it was also some anonymous woman, whoever he was with, right. uh, you know, and, and and so it was the same with the James Woods tweets. That was another uh, a piece of the Matt Taibbi threat. Oh, yeah. James Woods there. Oh, here's Twitter employees debating whether or not to suspend James Woods's account. And if you look at James Woods's tweet from these emails, these internal emails at Twitter, the James Woods tweet was a, a picture of Hunter Biden's penis. And then so that's, it's like and then James Wood wants to go and sue Twitter for violating his First Amendment rights or whatever. So James Woods, this actor who's, you know, frankly, been in some decent movies in his He's past, a very good actor. He wants a very his, good actor. Yeah. He wants his whole legacy to be a court battle over his right to share Hunter Biden's dick pics on Twitter. Beautiful. That's what that's where he's going with all of this. And then just with the one last part of it, this, I think the second half of Matt Taibbi's tweet thread was about the New York Post piece from October 2020. Yes. And while it is mm, not good for Twitter to decide what news is worthy of sharing and what is not, 
there were a lot of mitigating circumstances here. Not only was uh, this story um, preceded by warnings from the FBI that Russia was engaged in disinformation campaigns and hacking campaigns to get their hands on materials that, that, that the New York Post then reported on. But you got to remember that by October 2020, a couple of weeks before the election, the Barisma Hunter, Donald Trump, perfect phone call story, the impeachment that it, it that that it precipitated had been underway for like a year and a half at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. that was the context for this New York Post piece. And I think Twitter was operating on a degree of caution that's understandable. And in fairness to Matt Taibbi, he did point out that it was the Trump White House that was the only government entity yeah. putting any pressure. Everyone else was private citizens asking favors. Bob Seska, you are the best at what you do. Thank you for joining yeah, us. we got to hit a hard break. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. So much we'll be you. right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. I'm John Fugel saying this is Progress After Dark. You know who had a good day today? Chuck Schumer. He's having a pretty good day, folks. Here is the senator. And again, look at what they've gotten done in such a short amount of time. They took on prescription drugs and they won. They took on the biggest climate change bill ever and they made it happen. The biggest infrastructure bill ever. Chuck Schumer is very, very happy with the results of the Georgia runoff and a 51 seat Senate majority. They say all good things come to those who wait. And this outcome is absolutely worth the wait. After one year, 10 months, and 17 days of the longest 50-50 Senate in history, 51, a slim majority. That is great, and we are so happy about it. First and foremost, I want to congratulate Raphael Warnock. I spoke to him this morning again on running, and he'll be up here later today. Um, on running just a great race, strong, inspiring, unifying, never daunted. I remember calling him the day uh, the vote came in in the general election. And even though he was disappointed that we came close but not at 50 and he'd have to run again, he said, I'm raring to go and we're going to win the runoff. Right on, Schumer. He also uh, noted a clear majority really takes a lot of weight off of VP Kamala Harris's shoulders. Our caucus has been deeply grateful uh, for Vice President Harris's constant schedule juggling to preside over a 50-50 Senate. She did a great job. We're appreciative. It's part of her job. But I think she's done a lot of other good things, and now she's going to have a little more time to do those things because the need for her to be here will be less. To do what things? To do what things? Where is Kamala Harris? I'm sorry, folks. Whatever you think about her, she's a great public speaker. And I really thought, I don't know, the Supreme Court taking rights away from women, rights their mothers and grandmothers had. Now they don't. I thought, hey, as long as you've got the first woman vice president uh, and she's a great public speaker, how about deploy her? I wanted to see Kamala Harris all over this country barnstorming for women's reproductive rights. I, I, I don't yet understand how they're deploying her. Let's get to the phones. We're at 866-997-4748. The topic of the night now is what was the best film of the year 2000? My producer, Chris, is not convinced it was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. We want to know your thoughts. It was a very good year. Julia Roberts and Bob Dylan both won Oscars. But was it really Gladiator? Was it Traffic? (laughs) 
<laughs> or was it Requiem for a Dream, which I think is still the best first date movie you can ever hope for? 866-997-4748. It's our good friend Marie in Atlanta. Hello, Marie. Good evening. Hey there. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for waiting on hold forever. Oh, not a problem. Oh, my goodness. So we had this election here in Georgia yesterday. I heard. <clears throat> oh, you know, on the one hand, I'm I'm relieved. I'm happy that, you know, the, that the outcome was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but my God, I am tired. I, uh, what was it that uh, Megan Thee Stallion said on uh, SNL a few weeks back? A bitch needs a nap. <laughs> because... <laughs> Oh, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was yeah. unreal. Um, and, did you, did you vote early wanted, or did, did you vote early or did you go in person? Cause you like long lines. No, I, I voted early, um, which took about an hour and a half. Yeah. About an hour okay. and a half online. Wow. Um, and then I went and served as a, uh, paper ballot processing monitor in Thank you a, so a rural much. County. Wow. How was that experience for you? Um, there are aspects that I can't tell, but this is what I can't. And I mean, for my own personal safety, there are aspects that I can't tell. Um, when Bob Seska says that he believes that there are Congress people who are worried about their safety. Yeah, he's right. He's right. And I, I truly believe that if Herschel Walker had been a white candidate and Raphael Warnock had won, it would have been a very unsafe night for black people in Georgia. Wow, really? I really believe that. I had to take certain safety measures, and ultimately, there was no problem. But right. nonetheless, I had to assume, because I live in one of those states where people love to carry guns everywhere, all you know, oh, yeah. any gun, any time, um, and people don't feel worried about approaching somebody who is not bothering them <laughs> um, mm-hmm. about whatever their political issue is. Um, so, so I, I took some measures that were to keep me safe, um, and ultimately had no problem. Want to be really clear: nobody was nasty to me, nobody okay. threatened me. I'm relieved. Um, but <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> um, but I will say that um, if if I do it again for the 2024 election, this was a good opportunity to at least test my personal safety measures and tweak my process to make sure that. You know, some things that didn't quite go as I expected, I'll have those better planned next time. Okay. Because I really believe we're going to end up there. I'm, I'm sorry, but I think we will. End up where? Um, end up where? Where, where people are angry enough to be violent. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think we've already reached that point in this country. And I think whenever we hear our friends talking about civil war, civil war, civil war, you know, they're never going to secede. No states will secede. No states are going to give up the federal dollars and no cops and soldiers will give up their pensions. It's not going to be a secession kind of civil war. I think it's going to be like January 6th. I think it's going to be terrorism. I think it's going to be douchebags with guns thinking they're a militia and thinking that it's okay for them to kill whoever they need to kill because they believe in a God who believes in them. Well, I, as, as I told a, a host much, much earlier today, um, I drove home on the one hand relieved, on the other hand really angry that it was as close as it was. Yeah. And at the same time, I, as I drove home, I was singing, I don't feel no ways tired. Hmm. Amen. Because if they do it again, I'll be back. Amen. Well, I mean, God bless the folks 
the voters of Georgia four times in two years. They let Donald Trump lose Georgia four times in two years. That's a public service for history. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> I mean, it was it. Oh, it was beautiful. I'm sorry. It was it's it's gorgeous. It fills my heart with patriotism. I mean, th- th- twice impeached, lost the popular vote twice, but lost Georgia four times in two years. Get the fuck out of here. I love your state. <laughs> well, and there's there's one other part of this that I, I was for a while. I wasn't sure if the Republicans really backed Walker. I mean, mm-hmm. like really felt like, yeah, he's our guy. To me, the sign that they didn't really back him was that Walker got the same treatment that Sarah Palin did when John McCain lost. She thought she was going to get up and make some great big speech and so on and so forth. And they ushered her on the stage. She made whatever, statement, yeah. you know, or she made very little, you know, said very little. And then they ushered her off the stage. If you notice with Walker, if the statement that he gave last night, his concession speech, mm-hmm. had been anything, you know, if he had been that guy on the trail, yeah. he might actually have won. You mean an adult, an adult who knew what he was talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, I mean, and I will praise Herschel Walker. It's come to this. We, we have to praise a guy just for not lying about election fraud. <laughs> Exactly. The fact that yeah. he didn't contest and the fact that they didn't, you know, that the Republican Party didn't start screaming and yelling, you know, fraudulent election told me that this was some sort of like art experiment or something that they had long ago abandoned the idea that he was going to win. Mm-hmm. And that, you I know, agree. if he had one, it would be great. But if not, oh, well, shrug our shoulders onto the next thing. Exactly. And that's exactly how it is. But they're really mad at Donald Trump. He bet the farm on these mm-hmm. shitty celebrities being able to, you know, he, that's that's how he thinks. He thinks if you're famous, mm-hmm. you have good ratings. That means people like you. That's all it takes. And collected a lot of money. Collected yeah. a lot of money and gave very little of it out. That's why he's yeah, oh, exactly right. Gave very little of it out. And the Republicans know it and they're furious about it. I mean, every Republican in the Congress knows this guy's a grifter, but they also know mm-hmm. they can't come out and say it. And that's the tension in the party. Democrats would be very foolish to not exploit this. If Republicans can spend years working on divide and conquer, if Vladimir Putin can spend years getting Bernie fans and Hillary fans to hate each other when Bernie and Hillary agree on 80 percent of shit, uh, I think the Democratic Party is in a very good position to do whatever they can do to leverage the Trumpers against McConnell's dream. Absolutely. Beautiful thing. Marie, thank you for your service. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. Rick is calling from California. Rick, good evening. You're on Sirius XM Progress with the great Keith Price. Okay. No, I, I'm irritated with a lot of the money going, you know, to advertising on television. You know, how many millions of dollars go there? I mean, we could put up these huge electronic signs that people could watch them. They get in congested traffic and yeah. it would be up there, but people like you just cracking everybody up and, educating I mean, we put all this money to these these corporations that are screwing us by not telling us the truth all yeah. the time. So we can, just, we can mean, get the giant screens up in places where people see them while they're driving to work or whatever and uh hey educate and make it I fun mean, yeah you know if, if we ralph nader once said we don't grow up civic we grow up corporate and by that, he meant most people can't tell you the names of their local elected officials, but they can mm-hmm. recite 
all the lyrics to different TV commercial jingles. That's how we're raised. It it can be there on the road. And and, but the truth, you know, I mean, why give it to the corporations? Build our own infrastructure, you know, buy a building and put a huge electronic sign on it. When people get stuck in traffic, you know, they're going to watch you because you guys are funny. You know, you educate. Well, thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. To do that, if you figure it out, if we just channel some of this money that gets donated to campaigns and this stuff that we control. Well, hang on a second. Is your is your problem the money that goes into TV advertising or the money that goes, donates to campaigns? Because I have a problem with both. But what I mean, I think we need to have public yeah, well, funding uh, of all campaigns. Yeah, one led to the other. I mean, I was going to start yeah. there, but then I would have ended up over here anyway. I said, let's just rechannel it, you know. I'm uh, with you, man. Sure, the money should be there, but the money that is there, we could use it the way we want to use it. Not, you know, we don't have to feed that beast. We could create our own infrastructure, huge screens by the side of the road, you know. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I love it. People. And and you're calling from California where it's like, you're calling from California where it's like billboards for keeps. It's, God yeah. bless. It's, it's, uh, yeah. well, it's, it's always know, a... Get, get on top in the red zone, you know, whatever. Right <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm really kidding. <laughs> no, but you, you got to figure it out. I, I hate throwing the money at the of the uh, corporations that are not doing their civic duty. You know what I mean? Just well, I don't throw money. I try to not throw money at those corporations, but I just hate th- my government throwing tax cuts at those corporations, especially the corporations that ship all those American jobs out overseas. I thank you for the call, Rick. What always made me mm-hmm. furious, Keith, was Donald Trump ran against shipping jobs overseas, even though he outsourced his own manufacturing for his shitty ties to Mexico and China. Exactly. And as, as soon as he's in office, what do they do? They do nothing to bring manufacturing back. They give a massive tax cut to the same companies that outsource jobs. In my opinion, a smart politician of either party would say no more tax cuts for any corporations that are outsourcing labor. In fact, if you don't have American workers in your corporation, our tax code will no longer consider you to be an American company and will tax you accordingly. I'm just mm-hmm. saying a smart Democrat or Republican would run on that and both liberals and conservatives would respond. You would hope they would respond. I, I mean, I, you I, know, I, I don't think Levi should be allowed to have American flags in their ad. They outsourced all their American manufacturing and then they want to put the flag in their ad. Fuck that. I just I. But again, our politicians are so scared to take on big money like this, but people would respond to it. They're afraid to take on big money because they know that to do the things that they say they're going to do or try to do will require them to have access to big money. Because if they don't have access to the big money, then they don't get to push the influence or the influence doesn't get pushed on them to do the things that need to get done. And it's again, you know, it's sort of like we where my thing is, is what happened to all of those, quote unquote, ethical billionaires that wanted to run for president? You notice that we don't see none of them. Not even Bloomberg. We don't hear a thing from any of them. And do you know, those are the same people that if they took $20 million out of whatever money they were planning on spending on a campaign, they could have fixed the water situation in Flint. Yes. You know what I'm saying? If they wanted to. If they they wanted to. to. If they wanted to. And the thing is, is that that $20 million, they'll make it back in in five minutes. Exactly. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And at the same time, get a huge tax cut because of look at the the beneficial things that they're doing with their money. You know, and it's like, I don't understand. How how do I vote for you? How do I vote for you to be (laughs) just grand poobah of everything? Let me go to uh, Mike in Miami. What's wrong? (laughs) 
Mike in Miami, you're on with Keith Price. Welcome. Hey, good evening. How you doing? Very good. How are you? I'm well. Um, So for years, I felt that when I would hear uh, people use the phrase Uncle Tom, I just had the same kind of intuition that you had in terms of like, I don't think this is being used correctly. So I would say out of my mouth out loud, like, I don't think this is being used correctly. But um, one summer I was like, all right, if I'm going to be saying this stuff, I should read the book. So so I read the book. Oh, yeah. What do you think? It's great. (laughs) And so... I entirely agree with your assessment of it. Uh, Uncle Tom is, in fact, a saint. At no point does he sell anybody out. At no point does Never. he sell anyone down the river. At every step of the way, he is the voice of reason and wisdom within the room. And in the end, he is brutally murdered for his efforts. He's and, crucified. Uh, it's literally a crucifixion. Yes. His last words in the book yes. are, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yes, by a atrocious... So, by, in, by the most racist uh, white man in the history of American literature, it, Simon Legree. Simon Legree. And, and in the yeah. book, in the book, Absolutely. but it's all about, you know, he's worried about this evil white man's soul because, and this is what upsets some people because the character of Tom is the true Christian who forgives the people who crucify him. The he book is, is so anti-slavery, it makes the, sla- the old slave into a Jesus figure. And over the years, folks have construed that as being, you know, that it's about being subservient to evil people when, when in reality, it's a, a very he sharp a book. He's a wise elder. He's a yeah. wise well, elder. And I believe, I, believe that, I believe that black folks have been tricked by white people into calling each other Uncle Tom as a derogative to gloss over the reality of the fact that he was the wise elder. He was the true model of what it is to be an excellent human being, to be perfectly honest, reading that book. That's the impression I got of Uncle Tom. Yeah. How, but however, you have to also understand, too, that you're asking people of color, black folks, to... I'm not asking that. As my well, no, no, I'm, well, I'm, I'm finish, just saying you're finish, showing your finish. opinion. But, <laughs> yeah, but what, you're, what you're saying is, is that for them to to look at Uncle Tom the way that you're looking at Uncle Tom through that vision, you also have to remember that if Uncle Tom is so concerned even about Simon Legree's soul, which I guess is very true Christian to worry about another person, that still doesn't change the fact that he's, you know, he's been beating people mercilessly. Yeah. He's yeah. been, you know, he's been keeping these people right. slaves, you know, poor Tup Tim or whoever the hell it was. No, I'm sorry. That's the kinging eye when they do the re- <laughs> the revisioning. I got it mixed up. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I got yeah, but, so, but, but you know, but, you know what I'm saying? It's like to ask to ask of a person to ask of a reading school. No, but so. but what you but what I'm trying to Go say ahead. to you is to ask of a people to be concerned about the soul of someone who is oppressing them exactly. is a lot to ask. And I, I guess that that's where you where, where you say about being more Christian or being a Christian or a true Christian to be that concerned about everybody in the mix versus but again, but just again, those who are. Right. And that's why it's a dodgy thing to talk about. But I, I put it right. in the context of Uncle Tom is okay. literally a Christ figure saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. What it do. was an anti, it's not, it's, it's an anti-slavery chapter. But again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't always make this argument. <laughs> Because <laughs> right, right. And, uh, requires and, uh, a lot of finesse. I have. Right. The, I, always, I always gave the uh, company that I would bring this up in as well, and so here we are anonymously speaking. So it's safe for me. So there yeah, you go. So, yeah, you're anonymous. The rest of us are putting it on the line. Chris, you want to get canceled? You want to weigh in on this, Chris? Come on, Chris, get canceled. I did a little light reading while you guys were uh, ruining your careers. Um, watching Shoah again? What did you? What? what you... And, um, you know, the look, the book is maligned for, you know, it's basically considered the creation point of several 
common uh, racist stereotypes of African-Americans and slaves in America. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it was maligned by the uh, black power movement and the civil rights movement in the 60s. So the, the phrase Uncle Tom does not come from the book. It comes from the book's popularity lent itself to being adapted to stage shows and play versions. That's true. That yes. toured the, that that were all over the country. And Even the little the, rascals did it. And in these adaptations, oh. uh, the uh, lots of towns and production companies were loath to go with the dark crucifixion ending of the book, so they rewrote it and went with a different ending that was more upbeat, in which Uncle Tom shows his uh, the white people the error of their ways, and everyone has a big kind of happy ending. Oh my and God! It's f- and it's from those those they call them Tom shows. From those stage productions, I've heard the stereotype of, this, yeah. of a subservient fool who bows down to uh, the white man came about. Uh-huh. Ah, there you go. Okay. And that and that example of Lost in Translation, for me, raised as a Catholic and the Bible, helps me communicate to people. Do we lose him? Oh, my God. What oh, my God. That's, well, there you go. <laughs> That's the deep state, Keith. Do you want to weigh out on I this, see. Mr. Price? Do you want to weigh on this, Mr. No, Price? I, I'm done. I already have to say what I have to say. Like, I, I, and I totally appreciate it. I totally appreciate like, where I, you you're know, coming from. Yeah. Like, you know, mm, mm-hmm. still, you know, I can't yeah. be that happy I, for I, the oppressor. No, I can, nor can I, I, I. Nor can I. I, I, can, I can't worry about the oppressor's soul when my physical being is being beaten. And you know I'm not saying? asking you to. I'm not standing up for <laughs> oppressors either. I'm standing up for. I'm standing up for literature. I'm standing. I'm standing up for. <laughs> Harriet Beecher Stowe loves you right now. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'm just here to stand up for allegory. That's all I'm here. I'm all about the allegory. Wait, did, didn't this is like the famous quote that when she met Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln said to her, "Oh, this is the woman that helped start the Civil War." That's that, true. He really said that. That was true. Yeah. So you know, uh, thank you, uh, Keith Price. Thank you, Thea Harper, Chris Hauselt. Thank you to the great Bob Seska and to all of our callers. Keep it tuned to progress. We will be back here tomorrow. Peace. <laughs> 